0: Today's Gospel is St. Luke's Sermon on the Plain, which is his parallel to St. Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. And he very intentionally does something very different with Jesus in this Sermon on the Plain compared to St. Matthew in his Gospel. So on the Sermon on the Mount, where that starts with the Beatitudes that we all know well, St. Matthew is always trying to place Jesus as this new Moses. And so that's why he goes up onto the mountain to preach, just like Moses went up the mountain to meet God. It's a symbol of speaking with authority. And then Moses went to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments and bring them to God. And the Beatitudes in the New Testament are very much the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments that Jesus is speaking to start this great long sermon on the Mount. And then the Beatitudes themselves speak of these spiritual truths of living the Christian life, not just these commandments of what not to do and what to do, but of the spiritual truth of faith in God. But St. Luke does something quite different. St. Luke has Jesus not only on the same level as the people that he's preaching to, but it specifically says in the gospel that just before he starts speaking, he looks up to them. He's coming to their level. And then when he starts to speak, he takes away the spiritual element of what he's saying. It's not blessed are the poor in spirit, like St. Matthew, but it's blessed are the poor. It's not blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's blessed are the hungry. He brings it right down to the reality that they're living with. And then he adds something at the end the woes. Woe to you who are rich, and who are satisfied, and who laugh now. So tonight, to mix it up, I'm going to take a page out of Jesus and do my version of the Sermon on the Plain. So what is Jesus trying to say? Why would he say woe to the rich, to those who are satisfied, to those who are laughing? Is it bad to laugh for a Christian? Should we always be serious? Is it bad to have money as a Christian? Should we all be near destitution because we're Christian? Why would Jesus say these things? And it's important to see where it is in the Gospel of Luke as well. Jesus speaks this to all of his disciples right after he's chosen the twelve. He chooses the twelve and then this is what he speaks And then what comes immediately after is his teaching on loving your enemies and not to judge others. This is what sets the groundwork for those other things of how to live as a Christian disciple. And so if we look at the woes, what is Jesus really trying to say? Well, just think of taking each one of those things to an extreme. Blessed are, woe to you who are rich. Why is that problematic? Because for those who are constantly pursuing riches, possessions, and wealth, what happens? They're never at peace because there's never enough. There's no such thing as a limit for somebody who's driven by riches. Or if you take someone who is not hungry, who's always satisfied, What happens if you always create comfort in your life and seeking comfort? Well, then you never give because you always want to make sure that I have enough so that I can maintain this level of comfort and I never offer from what I have to others. Or for those who are laughing, what happens with those people that I'm sure we've met who everything is a party or everything is a joke It's always levity in their life. Well, they seem to lack the ability to empathize. They lack the ability to have compassion with others because they're trying to avoid that suffering in their life by always having a good time. And then what about those people that seek the affirmation of others? We all know those people that are constantly looking for affirmation. What happens to them? They have nobody who wants to affirm them because nobody wants to be around them. That's the woes. And what do those woes pull us away from? And why is there blessing in poverty, in hunger, in weeping, and of being persecuted? It's because it points us to what is absolutely essential to faith, It is a reminder that we cannot live in this world and with all the blessings and comforts of this life, and be truly rooted in faith in God. Pope Benedict is quoted as saying, we were not made for comfort, but for greatness. And there's an understanding in the Christian life that we willingly make ourselves uncomfortable because it has the possibility of driving us to God again and again. Right, if I allow a degree of poverty in my life, it reminds me that I cannot be self-sufficient. If I fast in my Christian life, that pang of hunger that comes reminds me that man cannot live on bread alone, but only from every word that comes from the mouth of God. That when I'm persecuted, for who I am or what I say or what I do, and I accept that willingly without lashing backward, back at the person. It reminds me to seek the place in my life, the only place where I can find unconditional love. And there is a great danger for every one of us, me included, of letting my faith be informed by the world that I live in. To me, that's one of the things that's always fascinated me about the saints. Because what they do is, regardless of what their time period is, their culture is, and the people that they live with, they're so connected to the gospel of Christ that they transcend it. And the greater the saint, the more they transcend it, which makes us love them even today, even though they existed over a thousand years ago. We still love those saints which time should have forgotten because they were able to transcend all of the influences of the world around them to true faith in God. And so we have to be able to reflect on and come to that deeper faith that's disconnected from the influence of the world around us. For me, I was watching too much debates in the House of Commons this week, and it was almost laughable if it wasn't so sad, that both sides debating on what should be done with the mandates and the restrictions. Both sides had MPs stand up and say, well, we're following the science. And then the other side would get up and say, we're following the science. Well who's following the science? Because they both have very different opinions. And the problem is, is when we get to what comes after this in the gospel of love and of not judging, everybody can get behind that idea. Everybody wants love. Everybody wants judgment to cease. But we cannot agree on what that is if we're not rooted in that true faith in God that we don't let the influence of our time, of the place that we live, of what we are going through, shape what we believe. But we strip some of that away on purpose so that we're forced into a true, authentic relationship with God that then influences us back into the world. We need to be more conscious of how we let the world Influence our faith and rather stru- strive to live the other way around so my challenge to you this week is to spend some time and re- reflection on the ways that you might be allowing the culture around you maybe your political biases or maybe just your predispositions about the view your view of the world to shape your faith and connect back to God. As we come just a couple weeks away from Lent, this is the whole purpose of Lent and our Lenten practices, is willingly making ourselves uncomfortable, so we're driven back to God. So see in your own life how you let the world influence your faith and ask God for the grace instead that He influence your faith for the sake of how you live in the world.